0: Hello and welcome to The Coping Toolbox, a child psychology podcast hosted by clinical psychologist Dr. Layla Din Osman, Dr. Mary Simri McDonald, and Dr. Jennifer Vrend. We hope that this podcast helps parents, children, and teens learn new coping skills in dealing with their stress and anxiety, and to help strengthen relationships in their lives.
1: hi everyone and welcome to episode four of the coping toolbox i'm dr jennifer brend and i'm joined today by my co hosts dr mary simmering mcdonald and dr Layla den osman we are very excited today because we're going to be talking about sleep um, which is a very interesting topic to all of us and a topic we see very often in our practice and uh, we decided today to focus on teen sleep so um, the episode today will be focused mainly on teen and kind of pre-teen sleep, but we will definitely be covering other topics uh, related to sleep in future episodes. So um, to get started, we wanted to give a little bit of background information about sleep. So um, one of the things that I find so interesting about sleep is we spend so much of our lives sleeping. So we spend about a third of our lives asleep. So clearly, there's definitely something important about sleep. And researchers and clinicians are still trying to understand and figure out exactly why, um, what the role of sleep is. So we know it has lots of important value to our lives, but um, it has very different values, and we're still figuring that part out. Um, There's two pieces to sleep that I think is important to understand before we really get going today. So um, there's basically two things that make us tired and make us sleepy. So they call it the two process model of sleep. So one part of that is sleep pressure, which is basically just the longer that we're awake, the more tired we're going to be. So pretty obvious. Um, And basically what happens is as we're spending time awake, um, a substance, we accumulate substances that are gonna make us sleepy and make us tired. So when we're really young, when when we think about toddlers, for example, they need naps because that uh, substance accumulates very quickly. And they need that nap to kind of recharge. As we get older, we shouldn't need those naps so much. Um, so, in particular, we're going to be talking about teens today. Um, and teens do nap, but they shouldn't be needing those naps unless they're really sleep deprived. So, again, that's kind of that's the first piece to why we get sleepy. We have this uh, this drive for sleep or this sleep pressure that makes us feel tired. The longer we're awake, the more sleepy we're going to be. The other piece to it has to do with what's called our circadian rhythm which is basically an internal clock that um, really is influenced by by light and by melatonin. Um, So I wanna talk a little bit today about what melatonin is. A lot of people have heard of melatonin before. When I talk to my teens uh, in my clinic, they often will say, oh yeah, I've heard of melatonin, I know you can buy it, or I take melatonin to help me sleep. But a lot of them don't realize that we actually produce melatonin naturally. It's a hormone that we produce in our bodies and we call it the hormone of sleepiness because when we produce melatonin, we get sleepy. So just going back to this internal clock, the way that our internal clock works is it really has to do with how humans evolved and we evolved to be awake when it's light outside and asleep when it's dark. So um, when we're exposed to light, when the light's bright, when we're in the sunshine, what happens is our bodies say, oh, I'm not going to produce melatonin because the light's out. Then when it starts to get darker, our bodies will say, okay, it's time to go to sleep. I'm going to start producing melatonin. So this all works really great when we don't have lights and electricity and other forms um, that aren't related to the sunlight, um, other things that are are maybe affecting our, our circadian rhythm. So again, just to kind of talk about those two things, we've got the sleep pressure, the longer we're awake, the more sleepy we get, and then our circadian rhythm. Um, Basically, it should be mostly influenced by sunlight, um, but as I was saying before, and we're going to talk more about this, it can also be influenced by artificial light. So that's just to kind of set the tone um, and help people kind of understand a bit of background knowledge, because we'll be talking about those things today. So I'd like to find out a little bit about what Dr. Mary and Dr. Layla see in their offices. So maybe we can start with you, Dr. Mary. Can you tell us a little bit about what types of sleep problems you see?
2: Yeah, for sure. So one of the most common sleep issues that I see among my teenage clients is having difficulty getting to sleep at a reasonable time, Um, especially when they have to wake up for things like school and work. They find that they're really sleepy the next day because they weren't able to get to sleep at a good time. The other thing that I see pretty frequently with teens is difficulty with the quality of their sleep. So they find that they're able to get to sleep at a fairly reasonable time, um, but they don't sleep very well and they still wake up feeling tired the next day.
1: Right, I see those too. So, difficulty falling asleep, and then also um, we often talked about sleep quality. So, maybe not having the best sleep quality. What about you, Dr. Layla? What types of issues do you see?
0: Yes, yeah, so similar to Dr. Mary, a lot of the teen clients that I see struggle with falling asleep. Um, And we'll talk a little bit about that later as to the reasons behind that. But uh, a lot of my clients, my teen clients will stay up very late at night, a lot of the time socializing. Um, Or, you know, a lot of the clients I see have quite a bit of anxiety, and that's keeping them up at night as well, just their worries and trying to manage um, those worries at night when they tend to be a bit worse.
1: Right, and what about um, Dr. Layla? What kind of consequences do you see? What sort of um issues do you think result from not getting good sleep?
0: Yeah, so we know, um, as you mentioned, Dr. Jen, that sleep can affect so much of our basic functioning right so um, when we're thinking about mental health um, I often give the analogy of it's like the foundation of a house right we have some of these skills that we can work on to help set the foundations of a house so that we have healthy um, mental functioning so sleep is definitely a part of that foundation as well as um, you know a healthy lifestyle healthy eating for example but sleep is so critical so a lot of the clients I see um, you know when they're not sleeping or they' sleep deprived it affects pretty much everything um, in terms of making their anxiety worse it can affect their concentration or focus at school um, their ability to study effectively right so if you're sleep deprived but you're cramming for an exam that's not going to be effective in terms of your use uh, of the time so it's going to take you a lot longer to study for that exam because you're tired and exhausted and it's harder to memorize in that state um and we know that it can make people more dysregulated emotionally. Right. So when we're sleep deprived, there's a higher incidence of, you know, um, anger outbursts or not being able to regulate how you're feeling, uh, that irritability that comes about, especially in, in those teenage years. Um, so it can affect really pretty much everything I would say, uh, when you're feeling tired. So it is, it is a huge, it has a huge impact on functioning.
1: Right, and I, I think it's, it's interesting too, right, because it's one of those things we can all relate to, right, not getting a good night's sleep and kind of the, the consequences that follow And there's sort of the, the short term, if we've had, you know, one or two bad nights um, versus sort of this build up and sort of long term, um, not getting enough sleep that sometimes happens with some of the kids that we see. Um, was there anything that you wanted to add, Dr. Mary, anything else that you can think of?
2: Yeah, I think similar sorts of issues, just in particular, that really feeling crummy the next day, feeling really badly the next day, and this domino effect, how it, um, you know, affects all of these other areas of functioning, like our ability to concentrate at school, our mood, um, even eating sometimes gets thrown out of whack. So yeah, kind of that domino effect.
1: Definitely, definitely. And I guess the other thing sometimes I have kids um, talk about is just even their performance in sports, I see a lot of athletes and they, they talk about how, you know, they're just kind of dragging, they're not themselves, they're, they're not able to perform it at, at peak. Um, and they talk a little bit about that. And then the other thing I was just thinking is um, the use of caffeine. So uh, again, because we're talking about a bit of an older population, the teenagers, um, a lot of them use caffeine to kind of counterbalance some of those effects. Do you guys see that as well? Yeah.
0: And, and the other thing um, that I do see more and more of these days, especially since um, it's been legalized is some marijuana use for sleep in teen clients. So I've, I've had a few clients come in recently um, who are using marijuana as a way to relax and as a way to fall asleep. And um, I, I wanted to bring that part up so we can discuss it a bit later as well. But in, in addition to the caffeine, um, using a substance to try and uh, improve their sleep quality for better or for worse. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I've seen I've seen that, too. That's a good point. And then I guess the issue, too, is it not being regulated? Right. Typically, there isn't a, you know, a doctor that's prescribing it that's involved. And so it's just kind of a trial and error um, that's happening. And and, uh, with these with these kids just trying it out, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't work. But um, it can be a very, very big issue Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, when it's not monitored properly. Yeah. Um, Okay. so I'd also like to talk a little bit about um, just the biological and psychosocial factors that are at play in terms of things that might be getting in the way of teenagers. Uh, We know for teenagers, it's, it's not easy for them to sleep. Um, and i know sometimes there's there's sort of this myth out there that teenagers are lazy um and you know and and that you know they're they're doing some of this intentionally but there's actually biological reasons um for why they have some of these difficulties falling asleep so maybe dr mary you can talk a little bit about the biological factors that are at play that are creating some of these challenges with teenage sleep
2: yeah definitely You know, when parents come in and they're really stressed out because their teens want to stay up late and they want to sleep in, we often joke about it like, hey, congratulations, guess what? You officially have a teenager. Um, And the reason for this is that during adolescence, we experience something that's called a sleep phase delay. And this is a natural shift in a teen's circadian rhythm. And melatonin doesn't end up being released until later. So this means that they have a harder time falling asleep at the usual time, and they might experience the need to sleep a couple of hours later. The other important biological factor is that for teens, their circadian system is actually more sensitive to light. And this is especially important because so many teens are on their screens or in a brightly lit room um, for the hours leading up to bed. And this is going to further disrupt the production of melatonin. So again, this is interfering with becoming sleepy at a good time. Their bedtime ends up being pretty late and it continues on with waking up and, you know, not feeling great the next day.
1: Right. So you've got, we talked about earlier, the, the um, you know, the circadian rhythm and how important that is. Um, And it'd be great if it fell at times that really worked well for teenagers. But once you hit those teenage years and it's I think it usually is right around sort of just before puberty, right around when puberty starts. And these kids, all of a sudden, their melatonin is being released later. Um, And then on top of that, they're they're much more sensitive to exposure to light. Right. And so it does. It makes it so challenging for them to fall asleep. And there's a piece of it. Um, That is a bit outside of their control. And so I I know in my office, I always find it really important to help the teenagers understand that, you know, there is something working against you here that's making it harder, right? Because, you know, it was, it wasn't, usually it wasn't too bad um, when they were kind of in the elementary school age, right? And then when they hit the teenage years, all of a sudden sleep becomes much more challenging and they have a lot more difficulty falling asleep. Um, Dr. Layla, you touched a little bit earlier on sort of more the the social um, or the psychological factors that are at play. Can you tell us a little bit about those factors? Mm -hmm. So there's quite a few of them I think that
0: can impact sleep. I think, I don't know if you would agree with me, but I feel like teenagers and children in general right now, have a lot on their plates, right? There's almost a sense of being overscheduled and having multiple demands um, that weren't necessarily present as much when we were growing up, at least not myself. So we have kids are going to high school and they're taking a lot of coursework at the same time, Right. So sometimes they have six, seven, eight courses going at the same time. Um, So they're juggling the demands of, you know, uh, multiple course courses and, um, you know, studying for several different subjects at the same time. Um, Then they have the social demands, which are huge in high school. Right. So uh, needing to find time to hang out with friends, socialize with friends, um, go to parties, etc. Right. So they have that social demand, which is increasing as they get older into those teenage years. Um, And then there's the extracurricular. So if they're involved in sports or any other hobbies and interests. So just managing all those demands, I find, takes an incredible amount of organizational skills and those skills need to be developed over time, right? So teenagers um, have to learn those skills over time and it's not necessarily easy um, when you have all those demands present. So I find a lot of my clients really struggle with things like setting aside dedicated study time or using that study time effectively um, Finding time to do things that help them relax as well, um, and so kind of dealing with all those demands and uh, you know trying to figure out the organizational piece of it, I think it interferes with sleep at the end of the day because you know perhaps at the end of the day they haven't found that hour or two to study or do their homework, so they're staying up late to do it. Right? Um, some some of the adolescents uh, as they get older start to work also part time, right? So that's another uh, huge demand uh, that's new for them. And um, we know that adolescence is all about independence and wanting to be free of uh, parents telling them when to go to bed and and what to do. So um, when the teenager becomes more independent and has a say on bedtime, uh, sometimes they make good choices, sometimes they don't, right? Sometimes they'll push that bedtime further and further back, um, especially if they're not prioritizing sleep. So um, that that. Need for independence is also interfering with a proper sleep routine. Um, And I know we touched upon anxiety before, but that's a huge one too in my in my clients that I see. So a lot of my teen clients with anxiety are up late, um, stressing about their day, stressing about the next day, um, and it really interferes with getting to bed on time.
2: I was just going to say, I think that you touched on such an important point around, you know, the ability to socialize late at night in a different way now through things like um, our phones, for example, or our computers, that it's really hard for teens because when they're not doing that, they have this fear of missing out on what everybody else is doing. Um, So oftentimes, even when they're tired, they find themselves on their phone interacting with their friends at that time.
0: Yes, it's the good old FOMO, right? Fear <laughs> of missing out. Yeah, I hear that one all the time, but you're totally right. It's uh, at the end of the day, you know, that's the time that these teen clients are socializing through uh, social media and, um, you know, it's it's hard to uh, miss out on those interactions, especially during COVID, right? As, as we're experiencing right mm-hmm. now, it's social media and uh, the, the use of communicating via phone is almost their only means.
1: Exactly. And some of the teens that I see, too, sometimes will talk about, you know, I can't fall asleep, I'm laying in bed, I'm bored, I don't know what to do. And so they'll sort of, you know, their phone is sort of their, their go-to, as it is for, for many of us as well, for many adults. But um, it's sort of that, you know, I, I'm, I can't sleep, so I might as well be on my phone, right? And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden they're kind of engaging in chatting with friends and social media and all of those things, which actually make it more difficult to go to sleep. So it kind of works against them in that way.
0: Yeah, it's changed a lot. Uh, It's changed a lot since we were growing up on the regular phone, right, where you would do the double click to make sure parents weren't listening and uh, you had to make sure the phone didn't ring (laughs) too long so it wouldn't wake your parents up. I know it's a lot harder to monitor what our uh, teens are doing these days late at night.
1: A lot harder, so for sure, a lot harder to monitor. And then also for the teens, like, you know, this is really tough for teens. And the things that, you know, with my my clients I see, we're asking them to to Really do things that are hard right it really is this it's this perfect storm, you know they have these biological things that are go- getting in the way of falling asleep and then they have all of these sort of social. Um, you know reasons why they're up late and and psychological reasons, and it, it really I, I just I can't stress it enough that um, we're going to talk today, obviously, about you know things to help with sleep, but um, I also want to empathize with the, the teens and say that yeah this is it is really hard it's a challenge
2: absolutely
1: so um, on that note maybe um, we could start talking a little bit about some ways to help with sleep um, and um, we've talked a lot about the factors working against uh teenagers but let's talk a little bit about some tips for um you know really kind of setting up a good sleep environment uh, maybe dr mary you can tell us a little bit about what that might look like
2: yeah so when we're thinking about setting up a good sleep environment one of the first things that we want to consider is our comfort. So we want to make sure that we're setting up our bedroom in a way that's conducive to sleep. This might be things like making sure our mattress is comfortable, that the temperature is cool, um, that we're in a dark and quiet room. So we might do things like dim the lights leading up to bedtime. We might put on a humidifier or a fan. Um, some people like relaxing the scents making sure our sheets are clean, um, that it's nice and cool in the room, just that sort of thing to make sure that our environment is really comfortable and um, that it feels essentially like a sleep sanctuary. The other really important factor is that we want our brain to associate our bed with sleep. So we really want to only be using our bed for sleep and not for other activities and you can just imagine for teenagers, especially right now with COVID, um, how much time they're spending in their rooms. They're doing their homework there, they're watching movies, eating. Now they're attending class, texting, you know, playing games. Just everything pretty much is happening in their rooms and primarily in their beds. The problem with this is that our brain starts to associate being awake with being in bed. So when it comes time to sleep, our brain is like, okay, well, this is where I do all my fun stuff, and it gets woken up. Instead, we want to make sure that we're using our bed for sleeping and doing all other activities outside of our bed. So I often recommend to my clients um, of any age, actually, Creating a little cozy area in their room, um, maybe with some, you know, like comfy cushions or a comfy chair, some nice blankets and that sort of thing where they might be able to do some of their other activities, um, either before bed or during the day, and also a spot that they can get out of bed if they need to and go to. The other thing that we've touched on a fair bit is just the importance of turning off screens for a good amount of time before we're sleeping. And ideally, we would aim to have them off a couple of hours before we sleep. Um, But I find with some of my teen clients, that isn't always a realistic goal. Um, So even finding a time together where, you know, they, they, figure out a cutoff time um, that they're willing to work with can be helpful. And we also can do things like turning down the brightness on the screen or turning down the volume, or maybe, you know, switching to listening to something instead of watching something. Um, Those are all other ways of, of working to reduce that stimulation and even the brightness before we go to sleep.
1: Excellent, and just to kind of add a little bit to what you were saying, um, we again have talked a bit about melatonin and I just wanna emphasize once again, how important that is. And the reason why we encourage the, you know, not having the screens and why that is so important is because the light that's emitted from the screens um, can trick our brains, right? So when we're looking at our phone or when we're on our computer or watching TV, what happens is our brain thinks, oh, it's daytime right? And then it suppresses the melatonin. So just to kind of repeat that, because it's such a, an important piece. And I really do find when the teens understand that it just helps a little bit, right? And it not necessarily it's not necessarily true that they're all of a sudden not going to watch screens for hours before bed, but they at least will kind of they'll have that in mind. And I think, you know, and even for myself, I like to keep that in mind, um, just in terms of my own sort of bedtime routine. I think, Dr. Mary, just what you touched on is it's so it's so important, especially right now with COVID, where, you know, the these kids rooms are turned into their entire lives, right? So I even I mean, a lot of the teens I see are working out in their bedrooms, right? They're socializing, they're working out, they're studying all those things you said. And it's so hard for our brains really like to kind of learn habits, right? And it's sort of that learned habit of, okay, when I go to bed, or when I go to my room, this is where I sleep. Um, And it's really kind of confusing our brains. So at the very least, if we can kind of keep the studying, eating, um, those types of things, at least out of especially the bed right and just to kind of have that okay well I have a maybe a desk or a corner in my room and that's where I do some of those other activities or an area in my room a corner sounds a little bit silly um but just that I have that spot in my room where I do the other activities and I've even talked to some kids about putting up maybe um like a sheet or some sort of a divider to sort of okay this is the kind of more day oriented area of my room and then the bed is the night oriented area of the room so really really important points Um, Dr. Layla, maybe, um, so I think that part is really important, but there's also the, just the routine um, and schedule. Um, and we've talked about circadian rhythm and, and how important that is. So Dr. Layla, can you talk a little bit about schedule and routine and, and how that affects sleep?
0: Mm-hmm. So as you mentioned, having that solid routine really helps teach our bodies and our brains when to be sleepy and when to be awake right so there's different hormones that are released when it's time to be awake and alert uh, when we get out of bed and we want to train our body when to release those hormones as well um and also when to be sleepy or when to release that melatonin so as you mentioned at night making sure you're in a dim quiet environment that really helps to release the melatonin in enough time to feel sleepy for that um that bedtime that you want to achieve right um so Having that solid routine is critical. So that means getting to bed around the same time every day and waking up in the morning at the same time every single morning. And I think this is a huge factor for adolescents because um you know as we mentioned their their schedule is crazy. So, you know, they're often so busy Monday to Friday and exhausted by the weekend that they end up sleeping in you know, until all all hours of the afternoon, Saturdays and Sundays, and then Monday rolls around and they're exhausted because they have to be up at six o'clock in the morning to be back in class. So um, one of the first steps is really making sure um, that we kind of undo that, that cycle of sleep deprivation during the week and then oversleeping on the weekend. So that means Still going to bed early on the weekends uh, or as early as you set out for the week, and also waking up early in the morning on weekends. So, not sleeping in. So, you know, I think that really helps kind of guide your body to feel awake when it needs to be awake and to be sleepy when it needs to be sleepy. So, um, that's a tough one, right? I I often go over this one a lot with adolescents and it's not easy to implement. Um, I mean, I remember being a teenager and sleeping in on weekends. It was like the best, you know, day of the week. Is that Saturday morning? Um, And you know, often you're socializing on weekends in the evening, so you're up much later. But really, it's doing yourself a disservice by continuing that pattern because Monday, like I said, is gonna roll around and you're gonna be even more exhausted. Um, so really trying to get out of bed early in the morning on weekends is critical and it, it gets easier, right? So I'll tell my clients, look, the first couple of days, you're going to be up at six or seven in the morning, or I may be exaggerating a little bit, let's say eight or nine on the weekend. Um, you're going to be really cranky about it and you're going to be exhausted all Saturday and Sunday, but after a few days. And I like to give the general guideline of a couple of weeks of a solid sleep routine. You're going to notice when you wake up early in the morning, you're much more alert and you have a lot more energy and you're much more tired in the evening when it's bedtime. So it it takes a couple of days, a couple of weeks for your body and that internal clock to self-adjust. Um, but it's really cool because we can do it, right? Like we'll look in other, um, you know, other environments, for example, up north where they may have nighttime or daylight for 24 hours a day. To- and somehow they can adjust their sleep um, or their internal clock to work with that environment. Or we will see it with shift workers too, right? People who work in the evenings, um, how how can they learn to be tired during the day? So it's it's a struggle. It's uh, counterintuitive to um, that internal clock, but there is a way of learning how to be tired at certain times of the day, um, which is really cool because it's an associated learned response right it's uh in psychology we call that conditioning right so it's it's interesting to see um what we're able to trick our bodies into doing um so yeah I, i think we touched upon a lot of the strategies before but making sure you're getting into that kind of quiet state um in enough time for your body to feel sleepy so you know 20 30 minutes before you want to be in bed uh, really engaging in calming quiet activities keeping the lights down low doing nothing that's going to be too um you know um alarming or upsetting for example you don't want to start texting your friend at 10 o'clock at night when you're in an argument right so not not really engaging in anything that's going to be upsetting or too um Uh, distressing for you and really just doing some of that relaxation and that self-care at night can be really important. So um, sometimes having like a warm bath or a warm shower can be really helpful um, to kind of get your muscles relaxed and your body in a a quiet state. Um, Reading is one that I love to recommend for getting sleepy um, because it really helps take your brain out of that flight or fight response we talked about last podcast and into a more kind of frontal brain process when you're reading right so it's using more of that frontal brain less of the back brain and it really helps relax that state of anxiety so i really like reading at night i think it really is a quite useful strategy um listening to quiet music uh if you are artistic at all so drawing painting anything mindful um can really help get sleepy when it's time to go to bed um, Dr. Jen, you talked a little bit about caffeine um, and how that it can interfere with sleep. So making sure you're not drinking caffeine uh, after 2 p.m would be a good guideline. Um, and then the marijuana use, you know, I know that's a whole other podcast. Um, but I don't think, you know, using these external, uh, substances, especially when they're unregulated is a good long-term strategy. Um, I think if you can find natural ways of, uh, altering the environment or using a proper sleep routine, it will be a lot more effective long-term for healthy sleep habits. And then the other one, especially during COVID, uh, which we need to address is getting enough exercise in your day and and fresh air, right? That can really help with getting the natural sunlight in your system, um, you know, expending some of that extra energy that you're holding on to being cooped up at home. Um, So it really just helps your body, uh, you know, get into a state where it can relax at the end of the day um, and release some of that melatonin in order to be sleepy.
1: Oh, those are all excellent. Uh, points, Dr. Layla. And I know with the exercise too, there's a lot of research to show that, you know, just like the fresh air, the exercise, the moving around, all of those things really, really help with that um, sleep quality that Dr. Mary had actually mentioned earlier, right? And so it actually, it it helps, it increases your slow way of sleep, which is that really deep restorative sleep. And the more we exercise and get fresh air, the more we're going to have that really deep sleep. So I know, uh, again, I encourage the teens if they can like, get outside, get the exercise, because that's going to help with the sleep. The other thing I just wanted to touch on, and I'm sure you both see this as well is um, I do have some people come in who on weekends, they're sleeping in till you know, two, three in the afternoon, um, which is a huge concern for all sorts of reasons. Usually their mood is quite disrupted. At that point, um, the, the big problem with that is going back to our circadian rhythm and melatonin. Um, if you're not seeing any almost, you, you basically are seeing almost no sunlight um, throughout the day, then you're not going to be tired at night, right? And it's really hard on your brain to kind of have that on the weekends, I'm sleeping till two, one or two or 3 p.m. But then on, you know, one day morning, I have to be up at six, seven or eight. Um, it really, really affects your brain. Um, And so, again, it's, you know, some teens aren't able to get up at the same time on the weekends. And we do try to usually compromise a little bit and maybe they can sleep in a little bit, an extra hour, maybe an extra hour and a half type of thing. Um, Two hours is kind of pushing things because, again, it'll be affecting your brain's uh, circadian circadian rhythm. Um, But definitely like sleeping throughout the day is going to have all sorts of negative effects um, on all sorts of areas of life. So, um, just in terms of these positive associations that that we were talking about earlier, um, I want to talk a little bit more um, just about um, just what we can do um, when we're having trouble. We've kind of set up our, our you know our room the way that we want. It's a good environment for sleep. We're trying to follow a routine, and we're still having difficulty. Um, Dr. Mary, can you talk a little bit about what we might do when we're still having trouble after we've done all of these things that we've talked about so far? Yeah, for sure.
2: Because that's something that can feel really discouraging, right? When we're trying to get our sleep routine on track and, you know, we're, we're lying in bed and we're wide awake and going, why isn't this working? Um, but as we talked about before, we really want our brain to start making this association between being in bed and being asleep. And what we don't want to do is to lie in bed awake for an extended period of time, because then our brain will start to get into the habit of being awake while we're lying in bed. Um, So this can sometimes be surprising, but we actually recommend that if you get into bed and you don't fall asleep within around 20 or 30 minutes, you should actually get out of bed at that point and do something quiet. Um, So that's the important part to it, doing something quiet. So not screens at that point, we want something with a low level of stimulation. Um, So reading again, like Dr. Leila mentioned, that's a fantastic thing to do at that point. You might quietly do something like a cross. um, or another type of puzzle, or maybe just do something like a relaxation strategy. Um, But this is where, again, creating that little comfy area can be useful so that you have a comfortable spot to go when you can't sleep and you need to get out of bed. Um, So then the idea is that you would do the quiet activity until you feel sleepy again, then you hop back into bed. And again, if you are not asleep within that 20 to 30 minute mark, you get back out and then you continue to repeat this. Um, so we're, we're training our brain to have this association with being in bed and being asleep. Um, for some people, they start to worry about needing to watch the clock so that they can pay attention to the time. Um, but that can be a whole other problem. As we all know, we're, we're going, oh my gosh, well, I'm not asleep yet. And now I'm only going to get X number of hours of sleep and that sort of thing. Um, but we can come up with other ideas for estimating the amount of time. Like sometimes I recommend doing something like you know, two relaxation strategies. And if you're not asleep by the end of it, at that point, you get out of bed. Um, So something like that. Another thing that we want to think about is the time that we go to bed. Um, So again, sometimes when we're trying to get our sleep schedule on track, we might start by choosing our ideal bedtime. Um, The problem with that is that if we try to move our bedtime back from just say we're going to sleep at 2am, and we try to move it back to 10 pm we won't have enough sleep pressure to be able to fall asleep easily and then we end up in the situation of being awake in bed for a long period of time which leads us back to the problem of our brain learning to be awake while we're in bed Um, so instead we can try what's called a faded bedtime and this is where we work back from our current sleep time in half hour increments um, so, for example, if we've been sleeping every night at 2 a.m., we might aim for something like 1.30 instead, and then we work back from that time toward our desired bedtime. Um, Another thing that we can try, which often is very popular among teenagers, um, is actually recommending that they stay up a bit later than they usually would. So we would be looking at maybe around an hour, um, you know, not talking about like three or four hours later, but looking at around up to around an hour. Um, And the idea here is that if we go to bed when we're tired, we're more likely to fall asleep. So we do this for one or two nights, um, and then we try moving it back again by around 15 or 20 minutes and continuing to work back until you get to that desired bedtime. Really importantly, with any of these strategies, we want to make sure that we're keeping the same wake-up time. Um, So again, just like Dr. Layla was talking about, even including weekends, although there might be just a little bit of wiggle room there. We, we generally want to keep that as consistent as we can. And then again, also making sure that we're not napping during the day um, as a way of helping our internal clock get back on track.
1: Excellent. Those are, um, again, some, some really great ideas. And again, I, I find It's very difficult to get uh, the teens motivated at times. It depends on the person that's coming in, but sometimes it's really hard to get them motivated to work on their sleep. So, kind of finding, you know, things that they're like, okay, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Like even the, you know, staying up a bit later initially, right? Like, okay, this is going to work for you. We're going to work with you, right? And it's all about, okay, how do we how do we compromise and find something that's going to work. Um, although I always I definitely and I know you talked about this, Dr. Mary, but stressing that, OK, but if you're going to bed a little bit later, um, you really cannot nap because the second that you fall asleep and you're napping, it's it's going it, the whole process basically goes out the window, right? It's sort of all of a sudden that sleep pressure isn't building. Um, and I often talk to um to individuals that I'm working with on these issues about, you know, you got to stick to it, especially for those first few days. The first few days are the worst. Um, because you're probably going to be the most tired, but it's kind of pushing through those first few days, you know, and getting out of bed when we agree upon going to bed when we agree upon doing the routine, all those things not happening. Um, but then they start to see the results and it, it is really incredible when this starts to work. And it's so it's been so wonderful for me seeing just how how life changing it really can be for for some of the individuals I work with. So I um, have. What about, uh, so I think we've all had this experience before um, where we're laying in bed and we, you know, again, we're kind of, we've tried to do everything, you know, we're maybe trying um, some of these relaxation tools and we're laying in bed and we can't sleep and we have all these thoughts that are sort of haunting us. Um, And this is, I mean, very true for people that have anxiety, but it also happens from time to time um, for people that don't have a lot of struggles with anxiety. So I thought maybe we can talk about, maybe a little bit about some of the thoughts that might be there and then how to counter, how to work against some of those thoughts that we might be having. So Dr. Layla, maybe you can tell us a little bit about about your experiences with that and some of the suggestions you have to work through that. For sure, so as you mentioned,
0: a lot of people when they're trying to fall asleep they'll start getting into some you know maladaptive thinking patterns where they're starting to overstress the need to sleep um they might say things to themselves like if i don't sleep Uh, If I don't fall asleep right now, I'm going to get a terrible night's sleep, and tomorrow I'm going to be exhausted, I'm going to fail that test, I'm going to have a terrible day. So a lot of that negative um, thinking or thought process starts to creep up, especially when we're exhausted and we're not thinking clearly, Um, right? And and I know we touched upon this on our last podcast on anxiety, but nighttime thinking is extremely skewed, right? So we, we very rarely come up with good solutions to our problems when we're in that state of exhaustion. Um, and anxiety. So it's really not an effective time to start thinking about how to solve all your life's problems, right? So, um, you know, we talked about this last podcast too, but you know, if you're starting to feel some of that anxiety or that worry, saying something to yourself, like, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to wait to think about this or worry about this in the morning when I wake up, and I'll be in a much better place to figure out a solution then. And that often works, right? That dedicated worry time, delaying that dedicated worry time outside of uh, that, that sleep time right? Which should be more focused on, um, mindfulness and relaxation. So that can be one strategy, um, focusing on, um, just trying to feel relaxed or saying things to yourself like it's okay if i don't get enough sleep tonight everything will be okay Um, i'll just catch up on my sleep tomorrow or i've been through this before i've been through um, this experience of being exhausted and i still got through my day and everything was fine so i'm not catastrophizing um, that fact that you may be uh, lacking in sleep and you're going to have a terrible day and all things will go bad if you don't sleep well Um, one way of not focusing on The sleep time and and whether or not you've fallen asleep is to stop watching the clock in your room or Keep checking the time. Um, so often with my clients, I'll recommend things like remove the alarm clock from your room um, or turn it away, like put it on the other side of the room and turn it away so that you still have the alarm um able to go off in the morning when it's time to wake up, but you're not staring at the clock all night saying, Oh my gosh, it's two in the morning, I haven't fallen asleep, right? Um, that's hard to do, I think more so now with our phones. And often we're plugging in our phones and charging them right next to the bedside. So we're checking. Checking our phone for text messages at night we're also checking the time um, that's also something you may want to consider plugging on the other side of the room so that helps you use the phone less and socialize less at night but it also helps you check the time less often um, so that's another strategy uh, teens can use um, yeah so so getting back to this idea of challenging the negative thoughts um, really just kind of accepting that your body will do its thing it's a natural process to feel sleepy and the need for sleep it will happen whether you want it or not um so giving into that and and trusting in the process that your body knows when to sleep when it needs it right so instead of getting worked up and saying oh gosh i'm not sleeping yet just saying hey my body's gonna tell me when it's time to sleep and i'm just gonna you know hang out here in bed and relax a little bit um, and do some mindfulness, and and just wait for it to happen. So when you give in to that process, sleep will come on quicker than if you're fighting it and trying to uh, fall asleep. Because we can't force ourselves to do that, right?
1: Oh, those are all excellent uh, examples, Dr. Layla. I know um, for me too. Sometimes it's helpful to sort of share your own kind of personal experiences. And sometimes I have that thought of, oh, I haven't slept at all. And I, you know, if I'm having a bad night's sleep, and it's sort of that feeling of, oh, I haven't, I haven't slept at all tonight. Um, and you're kind of having some of those thoughts come in. Um, one thing that I, uh, I talk about a little bit with some of the teens is I, I actually used to work in a sleep lab. And um, one of the things we did is we recorded people's sleep um, and we'd wake them up. We could see their brain waves um, through this thing called polysomnography, right? And we could see their brain waves. We knew they were asleep and we'd wake them up. And about 50% of the time, people didn't actually realize they were asleep because they were just kind of in this light stage of sleep. And I found that so interesting, and I find it actually helpful for myself sometimes when I'm like, oh, I haven't slept at all, and then I kind of remind myself, you know what? I probably have been in and out a little bit, and at least got some sleep, um, right? And just having that in my head, I think, can be helpful. And some of the teens that I've talked to have said, Oh yeah, that, you know, it's kind of it's kind of neat to think that way. And even sometimes when our thoughts start to be like our thoughts are a little bit strange or you know we're kind of our our thinking isn't you know quite quite um the way it normally is that might be a sign that you've actually fallen asleep a little bit or had some micro sleeps or had a bit of sleep in there um and that can be helpful too just to know okay i've slept i've at least slept a little bit and to add to that that point too
0: and i'm sure you could speak in more detail about it than i can but um I think similarly too. when we're sleep deprived, when we sleep, we end up having a longer restorative sleep. Um, so I think in a way it's our body trying to catch up right Um, and kind of restore its functioning so our body is has a natural instinct to do what it needs to do and we have to trust in that process that yes eventually I'm going to fall asleep and when I sleep my body's going to go into the deepest sleep state that it has to go into in order to function properly tomorrow and, and trust in that process
1: yeah that's a that's a really good point um you guys know, I really like talking about sleep, so I could probably go on way too long right now. But um, so we actually we do have those different stages of sleep. So we kind of have our, our lighter stages of sleep and then the slow wave, deep sleep, and then our REM sleep and our REM sleep is when we do our, our dreaming. Um, and um, it's it's very interesting the way that sleep works is we kind of have more of our the restorative slow wave deep sleep happens in the, the first half of the night. And then in the second half of the night, we have more of the the REM sleep typically, which which is when our dreaming happens. Um, That REM sleep is really important because the researchers actually today are thinking, you know, what's going on is we're actually doing a lot of emotional processing when we're dreaming, um, which is really neat. It's kind of unconscious emotional processing that's happening. So if we don't get a full night's sleep, right, so, I mean, obviously, from, you know, the odd time when we don't have a good sleep, that's okay, but if we think about some of the teenagers that are chronically deprived, what might be happening is they might be missing out on some of that REM sleep um, that their bodies really need, um, that their brains really need, I should say, Um, and then that helps with the emotional processing, right, so then it leads to issues with depression and anxiety and other emotional challenges, because they're not getting that really important REM sleep. Um, the other thing that happens sometimes is if we're really deprived of REM sleep, um, if we fall asleep, we might jump right into a dream. And often if we're jumping right into a dream, it suggests that, you know, we probably need more sleep. Um, so yeah, so very interesting stuff. Um, mm-hmm. and is there the only other thing I was wondering about, um, just chatting about briefly today before we end things is just, it is really hard to motivate, um, teenagers. And I know we touched on that a bit today. Um, and I've tried to, uh, you know to try and find that like okay what's going to help this teenager right and for everybody it's different and and you know everyone's unique and kind of has their own motivators so I mentioned athletes earlier, you know, like it can really be about, you know, I want to be at peak performance or, you know, for other people, it's their academics, you know, I really, I know sleep is important for my learning and I need to get a good night's sleep so that I do well in school um, or academically for others. It's they're really struggling emotionally and they know that getting better sleep would help with that. I was just curious um, if either of you had any kind of suggestions about, you know, ways that you found have worked to help motivate teens to work on their sleep.
2: One thing that I've found to be helpful, um, in addition for sure to the things like education and kind of figuring out what are the obstacles getting in the way of their sleep, is it, you know, the socializing time and not wanting to miss out on that. A lot of my teens during COVID have actually been reporting that they like to be up at night because everybody else is sleeping. And it's kind of the only time that they have that time to themselves because, you know, their parents are home all day working as well and their siblings are there. Um, So then we try to overcome that by finding another way to get them that alone time that they're looking for. Um, But another thing that I find is really helpful and important is looking for strategies to assist with the waking up um, because getting that wake up time on track is such a key part of getting the nighttime sleep on track as well. Um, So I suggest things like, you know, having a parent turn on a lamp about a half hour before they wake up Um, during winter in Canada in particular, we end up waking up in the darkness a lot, which is, which can be really tough. So just things like that, like turning on a lamp so that we're waking up in light or waking up to, you know, kind of like a slower, um, gentler alarm than a really abrupt sound. Um, I find sometimes those things like assisting with strategies around the wake up can also be helpful.
0: Yeah. And I think to add to that, um, and I think this is true for all clients, uh, across the ages, um, for a variety of different, um, sticky subjects, but I think just reviewing with adolescents, like w- what are their goals and, you know, what is motivating them? Um, what, what do they want to improve in their lives? Right. So it, you know, a lot of times with teenagers, I'll hear things like, you know, they're, they're struggling academically, or they want to uh, get better grades, or um, they're struggling with their emotion regulation, um, or relationships, etc. So um, when we start to really look at those goals and talk about them, it helps them kind of prioritize the need for sleep and how sleep fits into, you know, those goals and improving their quality of life. So um, just having conversations with them about well, why do you want to improve your sleep and, and what are your goals? Like, how can it improve your your life, right? And how can it improve the way you feel and in your level of happiness? And I think those conversations are really important to help motivate them to work on some of these behaviors.
1: Excellent. Um, so I, I'd like to wrap things up. Um, I think one thing we didn't mention today is, is the other issue is that sometimes there are medical reasons for problems with sleep. So obviously always important if... Um, you know, for example, sleep apnea, where people are having, uh, you know, difficulty breathing in their sleep or other issues like that. Um, If, if there's suspicion that, you know, maybe there's something else going on, it's always important to talk over these things, talk to your doctor, your family doctor about these things, and, you know, make sure that there isn't something else going on. Um, So just wanted to put that out there. Um, I really enjoyed um, talking about sleep today. We try and always have kind of three tools to discuss um, at the end of our, our episode so I think our tools to focus on uh, from today's episode, the first one would be having a nighttime routine so just the importance of having that uh, before you go to bed at night. Um, and we do this a lot parents do this with their young kids with their you know kind of uh infants uh, and toddlers where you kind of have your bedtime routine and then we steer away from it and it's so important and i talk to a lot of adults about this as well where it's you know having that uh routine right before you go to bed really it lets your brain know that sleep is coming um so just kind of having you know kind of doing the same thing every night and following that same schedule is so so important um i always uh just kind of um Do mention to people, one thing that we often do right before we go to sleep is is we go in the bathroom and brush our teeth, right? And we turn on a bright light. So again, I just, it it has to do with the melatonin. And as soon as you turn on that bright light, it confuses your brain. Your brain thinks, oh, it's daytime. Um, So just again, trying to keep the lights low while you're doing that routine is really important. So that's tool number one. Tool number two is just that, setting up the environment for success. So we really, Dr. Mary talked a lot about how important it is to link our bed with feeling sleepy. And with sleep so again doing whatever you can to kind of keep you know the things like studying watching TV eating chatting with friends social media as much as you can keeping that out of the bed. is going to be really important, and we talked about even kind of having if there's some sort of a divider or some sort of area in your room, where you can do those other things and just use the bed for sleep. Um, and then the last one, um, Dr. Layla spent a lot of time talking about this one, but just keeping a regular sleep schedule. So that consistent schedule, it just your it trains your brain. So your brain knows this is when I sleep and this is when I'm supposed to be awake. Um, and I can't emphasize enough how important the way, the way that our brains work is quite primitive in a lot of ways, and just having that regular schedule is so important. Um, so I think that wraps everything up for today. So again, I, I would like to thank my, uh, my co-hosts, Dr. Mary and Dr. Layla, and of course, all of our listeners. And we are very excited about um, following up with episode five of the Coping Toolbox.
0: Great. Um, and I'll just add in to our listeners to make sure you check out the links um, to resources on every episode. Um, so you'll see just at the bottom of the description of every podcast. There's a few links. Um, today we'll be posting some that are helpful for uh, establishing sleep routine um, and some mindfulness videos from Sick Kids. Um, so please check those out. They're great resources and check out the ones from our other episodes as well.